On today's episode of the Glad Trad Podcast, I am joined by Kennedy Hall. He is an author and a voice actor and entrepreneur extraordinaire, and also one of my new favorite Catholic YouTube channels that have popped up on my radar this year. We're going to discuss a myriad of fun topics, Kennedy's reversion back to the faith, as well as his subsequent canceling by the mean COVID police. We're also going to talk about the Society of Pope Pius X and the work of the SSPX in Canada. And of course, we're going to talk about the general state of Catholicism in Canada. Can they even go to mass? Are all their churches being burnt down? I don't know. So I decided to ask the man himself. Hey, a great shout out to all of our patrons who help make our show possible. Please head on over to patreon.com slash Podcast. A lot of benefits to your liking, and we appreciate each and every one of you that supports the show. And if you haven't already, like, comment, and of course, subscribe to the channel. And now without further ado, this is the Trad Podcast. This is the light which shall give revelation to the Gentiles, the mystery of God in the world, for the salvation of the world. How's it going, everybody? This is Jordan Pacheco from the Glad Trad Podcast. I hope you're doing well. And with me today, I'm very excited because I would argue that my guest across from me probably has the best beard in the traditional Catholic movement. I don't know if you think that's true, Kennedy, but you're certainly in the running. Well, I think Brian Holdsworth dies his, so um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I probably should because the, I've got six kids now, and each kid it gets grayer and grayer. So anyway, well, this is good, right? Because that 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 shows the wisdom, the experience. You know that they they haven't been able to kill you yet. But uh, see, I, I feel so self conscious, right? I have this like short little little thing going on here on the bottom of my face, and it's so cold here in Denver that I wish I had just like the whole kind of bear man thing going on. So I know that you sell beard balms and stuff. So I'm hoping maybe I'll get a couple from you at the end of the show. (laughs) Sounds good. So obviously you are in the great white North and I'm clearly on a streak because you're the second Canadian I've had on uh, here in the new year. So I don't know whether that bodes for me, but I wanted to kind of talk about a few subjects that people have been curious about. First off for you personally, um, you've kind of popped up on my radar of just uh, different people I listen to on, on podcasts and YouTube pretty recently. And I was kind of going back through your roster and it seems like only up until a year, a year and change ago is kind of when you started your channel and everything. And it's kind of been exciting to, to see the growth of your subscribership. And I feel like you also have a really good voice for not just traditional Catholics, but traditional Catholics who are not just like strictly American or something. It's, it's kind of cool. So, um, what is your background? I think it might be the easiest kind of thing to start off with, because obviously you didn't just appear from thin air. Well, yes, and I have to myself a shameless. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur now, and I didn't used to be, and I'll tell, I'll explain why. But I am an audiobook narrator as well, hence the fancy audio equipment and stuff, and I have a sound booth. So if there are any, I know you're with the Augustine Institute. If there's any, uh, you know, my kids love listening to the um, St. Francis series and the uh, uh, St. Patrick series. So anyway, any uh, audio book. Yeah, people who need somebody, uh, uh, you can go to kennedyhall.ca. Anyway, point is, um, yes, I am a Canadian. I'm actually wearing right now Montreal Canadiens sweater, and it's Montreal Canadiens hat. I don't usually wear a hat inside. My dad would be horrified. His dad was a military man. Uh, you know, back, he died a long time ago, but uh, he was an English-Canadian military man through the war and stuff, and you're never supposed to wear a hat inside. But I do have a like sort of a teen wolf hair thing going on because – we had a baby, holidays, we all got stomach flu. Uh, my barber, I live out in the sticks. Barber's 45 minutes to an hour away, depending on the weather. So I've had a haircut in like a month and a half. So I'm looking pretty shaggy. So that's why I have my hat on. So I apologize if there's any old uh, Commonwealth ladies there who are appalled at my decorum. It's not my usual thing. Uh, but it's a Montreal Canadiens hat as well. So anyway, 
point is, I uh, was a teacher, a Catholic high school teacher, and I had a major reversion to the Catholic faith. I was raised in an Italian household. My mother's an Italian immigrant. My dad's Canadian, English, uh, pure blood English background as far as it goes. Um, but I was raised by my mother's side. My parents divorced when I was very young. Uh, I grew up speaking Italian. I lived in Italy for a bit as a kid. Um, so the Italian culture obviously is filled with pictures of the Virgin Mary and all these beautiful things, uh, but we didn't practice as a family. Uh, so I did have my sacraments. I eventually graduated from the Catholic Church when I finished high school, as you do when you go through one of those parochial schools. And uh, early mid-20s had a sort of crisis of faith for a lot of different reasons. I do chronicle that to a degree in my book, Terror of Demons, which is about reclaiming traditional Catholic masculinity. And um, and I came back to the faith, uh, mainly through Our Lady of Guadalupe, story told in other places. And at the same time, I was teaching. I got a job as a teacher. I wanted to be a football and a rugby coach and do the whole high school teacher thing. And I was going to do that since I was about 12 years old. And I got the dream job. Uh, problem is, I became a traditional Catholic. Um, uh, I think you had Paul McCusker on, who was yes, a hero of mine, right. by the way, because of all his oh, amazing wow. work. We, yeah. My children... We have listened to the Narnia series he did with Focus on the Family like mm-hmm. wow. 17 yeah. times. You know, <laughs> Gotta live, tell him. Let's tell him tomorrow. <laughs> well, you know, our um, where we live, we're in southwestern Ontario near, near Lake Huron. And um, so everything is half an hour away from us. So we got a lot of time to listen to audiobooks. Anyway, but um, so I was a teacher. I had this uh, conversion to become one of those Taliban Catholics. You and, and Paul were talking about your one show. And I work in this cat worked in this Catholic system, Catholic in name only, sadly. Mm. You know, they're flying pride flags, all that kind of stuff. Now it's no good. Yeah. And um, so I was in trouble all the time. Now I was never in any official trouble because I never actually broke the rules because I was teaching religion and we were supposed to follow the curriculum. And thanks be to God, it actually followed the catechism. Mm. Uh, so I would just I would just cite my stuff. I would literally give my students notes. I would say, I'm teaching you this. Write these numbers and letters down on your page. Like, what are these? It's like HS.478. And I'm like, that's the strand in the curriculum. So when your parents get mad at what I'm teaching you, I can't get any in trouble trouble from the superintendent. That's what I was going through. <laughs> and uh, But eventually, uh, there was this thing called COVID that happened. You guys might have heard of it. And um, I pronounce it communism. But... Um, it happened really bad here. You've heard of this guy, Justin Trudeau. He's not so much not a very nice him. guy. Oh, yeah, very smart yeah guy. he's he's not very good. And um, so basically, uh, as soon as it started, I was hip to the silliness of it. Let's put it that way. Just from a basic mm-hmm. metaphysical perspective, I was like, this is this is weird. So I expressed my opinion and um, I got in a lot of trouble for that. It got to the point where I was actually, uh, I had to go through a sort of trial with the Ontario College of Teachers. So you've heard of those doctors who go through their trials with their, well, actually, Jordan Peterson. He went he went through that trial with the Ontario mm, Licensing Board for Psychiatrists. Wow. I went through something like that. I'm just not famous. Um, and so I didn't do a big GoFundMe or anything like that. So I, I just went through it in the background, and I was told by the Ontario College of Teachers that I was a really bad boy. And I was actually told by the lady who disciplined me, although I'd already already resigned, um, she told me that my beliefs supported by Catholic doctrine constituted abuse of my students. And I was teaching Catholic students, yeah. So so in 2020, I had to change careers um, kind of out of nowhere. 
And uh, thanks be to God, um, I have many faults, but I can write decently well. And so I was able to self-publish my first book, Terror of Demons. It's with Tan now, but it did really well. I mean, mm. it, it was it was shocking. I, I mean, it was a, it was a grace. It was it was a gift from God to, to get me on my feet. And then I um, started sort of just falling into the whole, what the heck am I going to do now? Okay, everybody's on computers. Maybe I'll talk into my camera for a bit. So I hopped on with the Fatima Center, and I got a part-time job with them. They're actually from Canada, and um, um, some individuals in there would go to the same chapels I go to. So it was a very close connection. And then um, I started doing videos for them. They started doing very well. Um, that was also during the time of the Trump stuff and the Vigano stuff and the election mm -hmm. stuff and the everything stuff. You know, that 2020, 2021 was like bananas. Uh, so you could pretty much just put Trump or Vigano in a headline and you get 100,000 views. And um, that kind of got me out there, though. And then I got on with LifeSite News as a journalist. Did that for about a year and a half. Love LifeSite News. It was great. Mm. Um, but then my wife got really hurt um, in uh, the, a year ago. We were skating. She hit her head on the ice. Um, she mm. was a beautiful skater, figure skater, but just flukes happen, yeah. you know. Cracked her skull, brain bleed, contusion, all this kind of stuff. So I had to take a ton of time off work. And then I had to sort of figure out what I was going to do. And all these things came together. Audiobooks started happening. Uh, I wrote another book about the SSPX. Um, I um, started writing uh, freelance. and all. So basically now I'm at this point where I've sort of fallen into this thing where I'm now this entrepreneur. And people ask, like, what are your qualifications in Catholicism? And I don't have any other than... After I had my secular degree, I had this massive conversion mm -hmm. and I'm a voracious reader and, you know, I don't have a master's. I don't have a PhD. I'm not going to pretend to, I'm not Dr. Marshall. I'm, I'm, I'm Mr. Kennedy Hall. And, um, but I can, I can say, I mean, I, you know, as God is my witness, I've, I've made sure I've read through, you know, your, yeah. your graduate level stuff on everything to make sure I know what I'm talking about. And that's basically where I found myself now. Well, and, and praise God for it because for my radar, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I, uh, one thing, and I haven't read, I haven't read it yet, but, uh, I will because the shelf is a little empty as you can kind of see, but obviously like, you know, you have books, you you talked about terror of deep. It's congratulations on it being with Dan and congratulations on the success. You've written a very comprehensive, uh, condensement of, uh, defenses on the arguments of the society Pope Pius X. And that's been, I think that's been very integral. I have a, a good buddy, Nick Cavazos at the Trishel Thomist, yes. who does the same, the same sort of thing, just he doesn't have a book for it. And I, I've, I've of course found a lot of those arguments very, very compelling uh, as I kind of figure out where I'm kind of sitting with my own Catholicism. This was interesting. I didn't know that you were a revert. So growing up, did you attend, were you still like a, it was every Sunday kind of mass, were you an altars boy? Did you go to the traditional Latin mass or was it just kind of Catholic no. in name only? We uh, almost never even went to Christmas mass. We were so unpracticing mm. growing up. We weren't even we weren't even the Christer Catholics. Um, but uh, you know, I write about this in the the intro, the um, dedication to my Terror of Demons book. Um, by the way, for listeners, I think it's still on sale. You know how Tan does that five dollar sale? Um, it's I I bought sixty copies because it was cheaper for me to get it than as a publisher price. So if you want <laughs> copies of it, Great. I think it might still be five bucks. But uh, for now, until they do their new next printing or whatever. But um, in any case, uh, my no, no, God rest his soul, Giuseppe Viani. My mom is an Italian immigrant. And she came over in 1967. She was 10 or 11 years old. And I was very close with him. Um, in fact, um, last sort of year before they had gone into a nursing home, the last few months, 
um, that was between teachers college and my first job. And my sort of, uh, you know, university summers are four or five months. My last sort of summer job was, um, I just went to his house every day and took care of him and my nonna. And, um, he was a very faithful man. He didn't, he wasn't catechized. You know, he was a very simple man. He grew, he was born like 1930 or something and, and, um, lived through the second world war in, in Italy and didn't get much schooling and so he could read and stuff, but you know, he wasn't a lettered man by any means. Sure. He didn't ever read the catechism. He just knew his faith kind of in a, a tangible three dimensional sense, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like it was, yeah. he could feel it. He could touch it. You know, he was, you know, he was 42 years old when they changed the, the mass. And mm-hmm. so he kind of grew up in that old school Catholicism. So it was in his veins. And, um, you know, you know, my wife and I were married, we're expecting our child, all these things are happening. And I'm kind of at the point where I'm thinking, you know, I wasn't an atheist. I was, I was a searching agnostic, you know, thought I was smart, but I really was dumb kind of person. And, um, I just realized if there was any man that I ever wanted to be even half as if I could be half the man he was, that I would be twice the man I am now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I thought, He's a smarter man than me. He's a wiser man than me. Um, and he he loves the Lord. And he kisses his crucifix. And he tears up when he thinks about Il Signore Padre Eterno, as he used to talk about him. <laughs> and um, and he had this saying. He used to say to me, and I'll, I'll translate, but he said, Kennedy si mangia, si beve, si va vedere il Signore. We eat and we drink and we go see God. And I thought, that sounds kind of cool. So I want to go see God one day. I like the eating and drinking, but I got to do something else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I just, it was just, I had to look into it. And C.S. Lewis says, you know, be careful if you're a young atheist or agnostic, because God is very unscrupulous. Um, if you, if you give him an inch, he takes a mile. And that's kind of what that's happened beautiful. to me. That's yeah. beautiful. So, so how did, it's one thing to kind of revert back into the faith. It's one thing to be teaching in a Catholic high school, all these things, but mm-hmm. traditional Catholicism, the, the, you know, and this is, this would have been, would this have been around the time of Samorum or this have been before Samorum? Oh, long after. I mean, I'm talking 2018 is when I saw, I don't oh, know, gotcha. so 2018 is when I found tradition. Wow. Uh, okay. Late 2017 or 20. So uh, 2014 is when I started coming back to the sacraments. Sure. Was um, your wife, so, was your wife Catholic or? Uh, she's Catholic she like me. She's okay. Catholic gotcha. like me, like was, you know, Irish background and stuff, but never yep. practicing really. I think they did okay. go to Christmas and Easter mass. Um, but um, so, but as far as tradition, you know, it's funny. In 2015, I took a group. Uh, this was, I have a degree in Spanish, mm-hmm. um, which I've never used professionally because I, there's no, what am I going to do with a Spanish degree? I was a French teacher um, and uh, I taught religion in French. That was a French immersion religion high school teacher. But anyway, um, but I, uh, I do speak Spanish, Spanish very fluently. And, um, because of my Italian background, I can do the accent very easily. And, um, so, uh, but I have the Spanish. So as Providence would have it in my first year teaching this uh, woman that I met who was uh, the, the, you know, she was sort of not a chaplain, she's not a priest, obviously, but in the high right. schools, they have these like chaplaincy leads. Mm-hmm. She does the, you know, she makes sure they have their ceremonies and stuff in the school, very faithful. And then she ended up becoming, um, the uh, godmother to our second child, uh, her husband as well. And her husband, I, I think he did his master's at, at Augustine. I think they live in oh, Michigan. They're living in Michigan now doing something with okay. uh, renewal ministries or something. But anyway, um, so she, we had met at this event that new employees got to go on. It was basically just this, you know, whatever teacher conference thing in Toronto. And um, 
we just became friends and um she she's one of those charismatics so she's always trying to find out what the lord is telling her and uh you swing and you miss but sometimes you hit it and uh so she said i think the lord wants me to take you to mexico because you you speak spanish right i was like yeah and she's like do you want to go to mexico and i said (laughs) when and she goes uh, last week of February, first week of March. And I'm like, well, there's three feet of snow outside. So yes, I'd like to go to Mexico. <laughs> and yes. um, I didn't know what a Marian apparition was. I was such an idiot. Uh, so she's like, we're going to go see Our Lady of Guadalupe. I'm like, it's 25 well, it's Celsius. So it's it's 80 degrees. Sounds great. And um, so we go to Mexico City. I was definitely open. I wanted to be a Catholic and all these kinds of things. I, I, I'm not a mystic. I'm not going to give any crazy stories mm-hmm. about this and that. But that was one of those moments where, you know, I met the Virgin Mary and she changed my life and it was never the same. And, and, uh, I cried a lot and I prayed a lot and I prayed the rosary like crazy. And I just, you know, um, I'm a big guy. I'm about 255 pounds. I'm a recovering fullback. And, um, so, um, but I was on that marble floor at the shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe with my little plastic rosary praying it like multiple times through. And I didn't care. I didn't care about my knees. It was just, I didn't even feel it because I just, I fell in love with the Virgin Mary. It was really special. So after that, there was something in my bones. You know, you think back to my no-no. He was this old school man. And I just thought, man, oh man, you know, the state of the world and the state of men nowadays and and how we're so unvirtuous. And then, yeah, it's partly society's fault, but they were just missing something. Yeah. And uh, I kind of felt that in the church. I was like, you know, I'm going to mass and God bless these, you know, these men who are trying to do their best in the lowest order and stuff. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, you got Susie and, 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 and Tammy, they're up there as the, with the hand sanitizer, handing out mm. Holy Communion. And like, it's just the most unmasculine thing in the world. And I just was drawn to, the old smells and bells and the, 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 the manly priests and that kind of thing. So I just wanted tradition and um, I didn't know what it was. And then I found some sermons online that I was looking into certain things and these priests, I was like, where are these priests? Mm. And um, they weren't in the Novus Ordo. And uh, so as happenstance would have it or Providence more like Google for all its faults, does not distinguish between the canonical status of traditional orders of priests when you look up the Latin mass. Um, so when I looked up Latin mass near me, the only option was the Society of St. Pius X. The fraternity was two and a half hours away. There was nothing. And uh, I was like, what's the SSBX? I had no idea. And uh, I looked up the quick internet search and I was like, I was convinced. I'm like, yeah, I can go. It's, there's a bunch of a bunch of documents telling me I can go. Fine, I'll go. And uh, I remember the first time we went, Father David Sherry, become a very close friend, father of the spiritual father of our family. He's now the district superior in Britain. He just left uh, that Christmas. And in one, two sentences in, in his first sermon, I remember he destroyed Buddhism, Lutheranism, atheism, agnosticism, evolutionism, and Protestantism in like 11 words. And I was like, we are home. <laughs> yeah, that's happened. right. Uh-huh. Amen. <laughs> so it was just, it was just, you know, we had some things to figure out, you know, from there. I mean, with the, you know, SSPX and all this kind of stuff, we were there. So that's just kind of how we found our way. That's beautiful. That's fantastic. And, you know, even I remember my first 
I had gone to Latin Mass a couple of times when I was in kind of late college. This would have been in 2014, 2015 here in Colorado at uh, Our Lady Mount Carmel, which is where I go now because I'm back home uh, in Colorado, I should say, not living in my parents' basement. But uh, <laughs> when I was out in Los Angeles, you know, I was I was attending the Novus Ordo and I remember it was a Jeff Cavens uh, talk from years ago. And I remember the title of it was I'm Just Not Being Fed. And for me, it was um, a Saturday evening mass and the priest was doing like, you know, the annual returnings, God's gifts, appeal, homily. And he just said something in there. And I kind of looked around and California, very, very beautiful churches, a lot of very deep Catholicism. You can really find it's built into the stones in a lot of places in Los Angeles, but it's also very easy to just like wash it all over with everything in Los Angeles, right? And so I just wasn't being fed. I was like, I'm in like the epicenter. I'm dirt poor, trying to make a life filming out here. And like, I need some strong medicine. And so uh, I found the fraternity was was borrowing a church, uh, St. Victor's in West Hollywood. It was the latest mass in the diocese, 7 p.m. And I remember going in there that night uh, in West Hollywood, right? So epicenter of of everything gay in Los Angeles, which I thought was very funny. And uh, I had never heard an asparagus before. And the moment I heard that, I knew that I was home. Uh, so there is there is something so beautiful because I'd, I'd grown up kind of in a, a little I, when I was younger, it was a kind of more of a hippy dippy spirit of the age kind of Novus Ordo. Uh, by the time I was in high school, we had a Polish priest who I think really helped instill some good masculine priesthood for the first time. But then it was just consistent. Like, you know, I'd expect from a from a priest in the traditional right. OK, the homily is going to be good. The mass is going to be serious. Everyone's. Everyone's trying to save their souls and the souls of their children. There's a lot of young people, a lot of families. It's very family friendly, um, all that sort of thing. So w- one of the things that's interesting in your story, of course, is, you know, the SSPX is closest to you and um, you're you're very kind of new into tradition. So it's like, yep, this makes a lot of sense. This is great. But obviously, especially at this time now, I feel like it's way, it feels like almost normalized. We're on bigger fish, it feels like. But there's such infighting, you know, that, oh, like, I remember the first time I went to the, I went back to some friends and I was saying, oh, I go to mass with the FSSP. And they were like, oh, no, like, what does that mean? Are you a schismatic or something like that? So I'm sure you've heard that all. You've obviously been able to to give a pretty good perspective with your book and everything. My question is, do you kind of just sense, are we are we getting over this hump, the SSPX, the FSSP, Institute of Christ the King? Like, have things gotten to a point where it does seem like there is a bit of uniting? Or do you still think there's a lot of infighting still left to overcome? It's a both and. Um, yeah. There's, you got to understand something. Um, um, uh, how should I put this? There are two FSSPs. There's the official history, and then there are the priests. So um, there are some FSSP priests that are are very anti-SSPX. Um, they just there just are. They're you know they, I get emails from people. They say what happened at their chap or their parish on the weekend and stuff. And there are some who have I've talked at conferences, and they're like. You know, I can't say this out loud, but I think Archbishop Lefebvre is like the greatest saint of the last hundred years. And, um, you know, we're, we're 35 years. I was actually born in 88, so the same year as the mm, consecrations. Okay. And um, so there's there's sort of an old guard. And then there's a sort of kids who just kind of grew up in tradition, you know, and they just want to be a traditional priest. And they went to the diocesan TLM or the fraternity or whatever. And that's just a seminar they went to because they want to be a traditional priest. And they have a different perspective. Um, so I do think that amongst the laity, there is much more unity of purpose. Um, you know, the success of Michael Matt's um, 
Catholic Identity Conference. I went there, not this year, last year, mm-hmm. 2022. And, um, and at that time, I mean, I, I was a journalist there for LifeSite News, so I had a chance to ask a question, you know, one of the question periods, you know, for journalist purposes. And I basically said, here we are, here, you know, we're looking around, and this is the traditional Catholic kind of epicenter of the United States. And um, are we at the point where we can finally say Archbishop Lefebvre had a point? And it was like a round of applause, like for a question. Mm-hmm. And there are fraternity priests there, and there's, there's, there's diocesan TLMs, and there's even some Novus Ordo deacons who just wanted to show up and were like, what's going on here? Yeah. And so I think amongst the lady, yes. Um, but there is this strong streak still against the society. Um, because the thing is, you know, we're in a position now where pretty much everything Archbishop Lefebvre said would happen has happened in spades. You know, mm-hmm. he has a, remember with the Institute in um, Chicago and uh, oh, Cardinal yes. just kiboshed him. And, you know, there's a quote, Archbishop Lefebvre, 1984, when they made the indult mass thing, said, listen, you know, any liberation of this, of the TLM is obviously a good thing, but, but it doesn't need rights to be liberated because it's the mass of all time. So it has its own rights kind of thing. Mm. And, um, and he said, there'll come a time where the priests who agree to this will be told they've signed something saying X, Y, and Z, and then they'll take it away from them. And I remember seeing what happened in Chicago with Tritonus Custodis. And I was like, that's, you know, prophecy number 744 that's come true. Yeah. And um, so, so a lot of people, you know, and this is not like the majority by any means, but there's a vocal minority who, you know, the SSPX is bad. The Ecclesia Day communities are the way forward. It's going to be perfect. Everything's going to be fine. And they really want to cling on to that because I think they've kind of made their living like that. So even if it's just sort of a not real living, but just sort of they've, they've, they've planted their flag, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I think... You're going to find different answers if you ask sort of the brass, so to speak, versus if you talk to the boots on the ground. I hope that answer suffices. No, that's absolutely perfect. And I always say that, you know, I, I saw this as a meme once, like a traditional Catholic starter kit and open letter to confuse Catholics. It should it should make us all very angry that that could have been written five years ago. And you'd be like, oh, wow, like, how is that happening? Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm very sensitive to that. I, I have I call it my great divorce theory. And. When it comes to the questions of 1988, I I think for myself, and I've had a bit of a development on my thoughts. I've been to Mass with the Society once. They have a very, very beautiful church out in the foothills called St. Isidore's. Uh, Very pretty, but, you know, the fraternity, but like you, it's like the fraternity grabbed me first. You know, those are my people. Uh, I've I've become considerably less uh, anxious on the question of canonical regularities and irregularities. I just, I think people are just trying to, to write straight with crooked lines. I really see that in real time. So when it comes to the questions of 88, the consecrations, all those things, I I think that I, I agree with all the arguments. I say, you know, Lefebvre saw something coming. He'd been in something. They pulled him out of retirement. They clearly wanted him to, I think that Rome was very clear that they just wanted him to die off. All the other supporters had died off. He was, he was old. This is going to be the same thing. So I don't blame what he did. I think that those 10 priests who went back to John Paul II and were like, yo, please don't excommunicate us. Like, we're good. We want to come back. I don't I don't blame them either because this was like we forget sometimes how crazy the 70s and the 80s were for people just trying to cling on to any semblance of the faith. And so I don't fault those fraternity priests for doing what they did. I don't fault the society for doing what it is. And I see, especially as you just said, like 30 plus years on from it. 
you know, we it's that very big meme, right? Lefebvre was right. I told you so on the bottom. And I'm I'm like, we can't just keep pretending that this was such a oh, this was such a departure of rupture and he was set up a parallel church. When first off, that's not what Rome says. But second off, when all the evidence points to the fact that we we have this tale of two churches going on and Lefebvre didn't start it. You know, fiducia supplicans did not come from the, the 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 mind of the SSPX. Thank you very much. You know, Africa didn't reject Lefebvre and the Holy Ghost Fathers. So I, I'm I'm hopeful because I find like a lot of people are just we're so blown off course by all this confusion, and it's good to just focus in. And at the end of the day, it's like we have an obligation to uh, all tenets of the Catholic faith, of course. But sometimes I'm really I'm convinced God writes really really straight with crooked lines. You know. Yes. And, you know, I give a robust defense of the canonical stuff in my book. And there is a good I mean, it's like anything with law. I mean, I had to cover these um, these cases of these doctors. Like when I was working for LifeSide, I had to cover these mm -hmm. cases of these doctors who were being brought up against the um, government because they were a bunch of, you know, conspiracy theorists who thought that you can't make a good vaccine in five minutes. And, um, you know, how dare they be so irrational and um you know, so they're up against it there because they, they gave mask mandates or vaccine exemption letters and stuff to people and whatever. And I'm watching the crown, what we call the district attorney, we call him the crown attorney. I'm mm -hmm. watching the crown versus the lawyer for the, the doctor and stuff. And by the letter of the law, the crown attorney had a point. By the spirit of the law, the heroic doctor was exactly correct. Mm -hmm. And the letter killeth and the spirit giveth life. Obviously, we don't arbitrarily reject the letter, but I always use the example, you know, uh, if if uh, your wife is in, in labor and you're driving, I was with miles, 75 or 80 down a 35 <laughs> road, you know, it's like 130 kilometers or whatever. You're driving fast. You're not supposed to do that. You're blowing through red lights. If a cop pulls you over and uh, he sees that your wife is screaming and the head's coming out, he's going to say, holy expletive, um, you know get behind me and we're going to mm -hmm. go through all the red lights together. And if he doesn't do that and gives you a ticket, he's probably going to get disciplined by his job because yes, you're breaking the law in the positive sense, but in a, in as Aquinas says, necessity knows no law. Uh, mm. That's, you know, the purposes of laws are for the common good, for the good of the citizenry and so on and so forth. And the church, it's the same thing. The code of canon law is for the good of the church as far as laws are concerned, but the applications thereof can't foresee all possible circumstances because positive flight's impossible for us. You know, we think back to the Old Testament. Um, there were even exceptionalities to divine positive law. You know, King David, we remember he ate the bread of the presence. He wasn't supposed to. Why was that? Well, because they were starving. And mm -hmm. uh, also because there wasn't a priest around and they have to consume the sacrifice because it's not a sacrifice must be consumed. Uh, so he fulfilled the requirements of the law in an exceptional way. And... Um, th these are themes that go throughout church history. There are many examples I cite in my book. I don't have to do it here, but many examples. And Archbishop Lefebvre decided that uh, he believed there was a crisis in the church. And to this day, there have been no traditional bishops consecrated. Um, even the Opus Dei, they don't have a prelate anymore. They don't have mm -hmm. a bishop, you know. Um, so, you know, it just, he, he acted in a crisis. And Christ tells us a prophet's never accepted in his own country. The French bishops really didn't like Lefebvre. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> And years later, we go, okay, history vindicates, man. And I think that's just where we are. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm very glad you pointed out. Even with the ins- the poor institute, uh, or even the the cannons regular up in Chicago. I yeah. mean, just getting raked over the coals for for nothing but existing. Honestly, so this actually mm-hmm. this is actually a, such a perfect thing there because obviously you you are uh, our great neighbor in the in the Great White North uh, down in Ontario over there. So it's interesting for me. Like I saw la- last year, last year in change, right? Pope Francis visited canada i don't exactly remember what parts of canada but you remember of course there was this whole thing about how ah you evil catholics you guys keep on they do this in the states too right it's like you guys keep building over the graves of all these natives y'all had churches burnt down and things so i know there's a lot of that's the kind of sensational news that we get here down here right and it sells and we also go oh no like they should all just come down here when the water is great no not really just don't go to chicago so i guess the question is where do you find i mean you you love you love being canadian and you love being a catholic in canada and so what is kind of the overview i know it's such a big general argument or a question but the overview of the state of catholicism in in uh in canada You've gone through this stuff. You've gone through the school systems. I see these news. I see all this news that comes out of Catholic and name only schools and everything. But surely there's got to be a lot of very positive boots on the ground things going on, too. I I don't know. Yeah. So, um, you know, Canada is, um, you know, my province alone, you could fit three states of Texas in it. And we have uh, one third the population of the entire state of Texas. Canada is empty. It's massive. It's I mean, a lot of it's uninhabitable in the north, obviously, um, but it's huge. So, you know, I've never been to Alberta. Uh, that's where Brian Holdsworth is from, for example. Um, I've actually never been to I've only been to British Columbia, uh, the East Coast, and I've been to Quebec. And uh, that's about it as far as Canada is concerned. And uh, but it's huge. So there are massive differences. We're talking hundreds and thousands of kilometers in between urban centers. Um, so there are huge differences in lifestyle and culture and across the country. Um, we even have different accents. It's not as it's not as crazy as in the States. But if you go to Newfoundland, it's like, what the heck was that? I I've done a gig. I did a gig in Saskatchewan out in the okay. out in farmland. And I said that Saskatchewan is my hick town middle of nowhere in Colorado, just with different accents. I loved loved it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's uh, so, you know, the state of Catholicism in many ways is pretty bad. But, you know, what's interesting is um, the bishops of Canada, you know, God bless them. There's some decently conservative fellows. Uh, Alberta mm-hmm. tends to have the best ones, um, but uh, they're pretty apathetic. You know, it's, mm. it's all, what I mean is they don't really do much as far as like they're not they're just they're kind of just company men. So they don't come after trads. They don't support trads. They just kind of are there. There's a few exceptions. There's some decent ones. The Bishop of St. Catharines, Ontario was actually quite good. Um, but um, they're just kind of there. There's no Stricklands, but there's also no there's also no Cardinal Supiches. There's no sure. there's I no agree. Cardinal Burks, and there's no um, you know McElroys. There's just kind, mm-hmm. they're just kind of there, and so the SSPX is really big here relative to how many Catholics there are. I think there's about twenty to thirty mass centers around the country Whoa. with consistent traditional mass, and I think there's like six or seven fraternity locations. Mm-hmm. Um, again, because the SSPX kind of just goes where they think they are invited to to go for the faithful whereas the fraternity has to you know find a diocese place so it's a different setup there's no institute of christ the king in canada um toronto hamilton montreal they do have a decent amount of latin masses diocesan wise but otherwise it's kind of the wild west so you know my province of ontario it's technically conservative it's like conservative if mitt romney was your governor it's like what does that (laughs) even mean it's like okay the the budget's kind of good but it's a bunch of liberals so um 
That being said, we have no rules on homeschooling in my province. Don't tell the government. Mm. They probably aren't watched. Maybe they are because I'm probably on some list. But, um, <laughs> you know, there's no there's no, there's no rules. Like my wife and I, we just homeschool our kids. We've never had to register them for a single thing. So we kind of have like this pr- um, amazing amount of uh, permission to just kind of do whatever we want. So we go to the tr- traditional mass. We, we, we our kids, my wife, homeschools them traditional wise. We've got all these amazing friends in this chapel that's growing and and it's it's like my my life is actually amazing as mm. far as being a Catholic. I have no impediments. COVID was bad for everybody, yeah. but it wasn't particular to the churches. It was just bad. So yeah. on the one hand, Canada's it's kind of like a California with all the silly leftism, but on the other hand, it's kind of like a North Dakota or a South Dakota where there's just too much space and too few people for them to keep tabs on everybody. So it's kind of in the middle. That's that's fantastic. I want to ask her quick because did does this mean that you started you and your wife you guys started homeschooling during COVID? Was that even a decision prior to? No, I was teaching. I was teaching when we had our first child. I okay. saw how the sausage sausage was made, so I said we're homeschooling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's really cool that there's no rule. So it means like you know your kids go throughout presumably up through high school or secondary school, whatever, whatever y'all call it up there. And then it's like there's no accreditation. It's like okay, he's out. Can he go to college? Can he go out to the trade? Whatever it is. Well, um, it used to be much easier for homeschool kids to go to university if they wanted to. You just kind of had to just show what you did and they would just sort of say, okay, you're good enough, come in. Now it's getting more strict, but we do have a, a really good SSPX uh, board, boarding boys school an hour from me. Um, so our boys, my oldest is only eight years old. We have eight, we have okay. six kids eight years old and under. Mm-hmm. So we've got a lot of diapers going on. And um, so, um, but uh, yeah, they'll go there. That school does not is not accredited because um, they tried taking some government money in Alberta and they had to shut the high school down uh, because mm. it was just, you know, the, the money was attached to communism. Yep. Um, so now what the what they do basically is they go through this amazing curriculum. It's it's you know, it's amazing. It's a traditional Catholic curriculum and they've got a they live at the school and it's very it's very different than people are used to. Uh, it's very difficult. A lot of uh, it's very hard, obviously, but they come out as very well formed Catholic men ready to do things that most 18 year olds can't do. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, so if they want to go to university or something, um, they basically have to, well, there's, there's little things they do where they, you know, they'll get accreditation through online stuff or they'll have a, a school in the States, like an SSPX school that is um, unofficially a sister school. And, and they'll send in their work as if they're a distant students, get a diploma from Iowa or wherever it is. Mm-hmm. And then they accept that. So they just kind of find their ways, but you can do it. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. It's very interesting to me that you said earlier in the conversation that there are 30 plus kind of different chapels, it would be, of the SSPX all across the country. Um, There are some places here in the States where the SSPX has essentially working alongside the regular, uh, canonically regular parts of the diocese, if you will. There are some bishops who are pretty friendly to them. There are some bishops who are pretty hostile. I mean, I, I hear about the state of you and you experience it full force, the state of Catholic education in Canada, right? And we have that a lot happening, especially on the East Coast, where these Catholic and name only schools are suddenly woke up and it's crazy. So is it part of maybe like the good part of the apathy of the bishops? Like there's not this strong condemnation of the societies that more like, all right, like those Catholics are going to keep doing what they're doing. Or is it like a particular funnel even into these very secularizing Catholic schools? Yeah, they're just apathetic to like everything. So the the Catholic and name only schools, they're flying pride flags. And then uh, the SSPX chapels are filling up, you know? So, I mean, they're not all fully apathetic. My bishop 
I'm not going to get a Christmas card from anytime soon. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the way it is. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, as I said, it's kind of like the wild west. There's just not a lot of oversight and there's just, it's people don't know what's going on and kind of people just do their own thing. Um, you know, um, Canada in general, like in the Nova Sordo, I think it's like 14% of Canadian Catholics go to mass. It's okay. very low. Uh, I mean, it's like, you know, it's a very liberal in that sense. Um, yeah. Church attendance in general is lower in Canada uh, because um, people don't know this. The, there is an official Canadian state church because technically the sovereign of our country is the king and he is mm-hmm. the head of the Anglican church. Uh, so we do technically have a state religion, but the Anglican church is like so ridiculous. It's not even, uh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Is it, is that called Anglicanism still in Canada? Like where it was Episcopalianism down here? Okay. Gotcha. It's called Anglican. We held on to the English thing. Um, okay. And we haven't even talked about Quebec. Quebec is actually the worst of them all for Catholicism. Uh, mm. uh, corruptio optima pessima. The corruption of the best is the worst. Quebec was the greatest Catholic country yep. in the world. You know, they had a, uh, Maurice Duplessis. He was like, uh, he was like a Salazar to Portugal. He was, wow. uh, he was there 20 years, you know, basically ran the country like uh, as if he was following a, a textbook from Archbishop or the province, as if he was following a textbook of Archbishop Lefebvre. But then after the council, he died shortly around that time. And so did the faith in Quebec. And then actually Trudeau's mm. father, one of our least favorite persons, not his, not, not Fidel Castro, his Canadian father. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, he, please. He, um, he was a communist, Marxist, you know, whatever and stuff. And he basically did the whole, uh, you know, pamphlet thing, Luther style. And they just corrupted the province with with secular liberalism. Mm. Um, and uh, the province just was destroyed as far as faith is concerned. So, yeah, it's, it's again, it's different in every province. Yeah, yeah. Is there a galvanizing, therefore, with the society? Like out here, for instance, I think of how big St. Isidore's is in St. Mary's, Kansas. They just commissioned that beautiful, beautiful big church. I think that the society, one thing they do very, very well is they're very good about knowing the importance of education. I think that this is something that the Fraternity Institute are still kind of getting under their ground. So do you kind of see, even in your own uh, particular life, do you kind of see that push? I mean, you talked about, you know, you know, sending your kids off to this boys boarding school. Like, that's really awesome. That's not something that with a Fraternity Institute, any traditional thing, if I'm going to do that, I have to send my kids like out to different states for that when I have kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, Archbishop Lefebvre, that was his model. They started, that was when he was a, a missionary in, in Africa. You start a school first because you need priests. Um, so, you know, you got to educate, educate them. You start a boys' school first for very practical reasons. And then, you know, you go to mass in the gym at the school that they bought, that they mm-hmm. turned into a chapel. And then eventually, after you've got 150 people coming every Sunday, okay, now you get a loan for a, a you buy an old Protestant church or whatever. So, um, but yeah, you know, it's think so. The uh, Saint Peter's Basilica is the um, is the, the the cathedral in London, Ontario, Canada, where I grew up, and that's where the bishop of my diocese is. And they have, I mean, it's a city of five hundred thousand people, and they might have three times as many attending mass there as we do at my our little chapel in a little town that has two hundred people coming every Sunday. Um, yeah. So, and that's the cathedral. That's now we only have one church, and there's obviously 20 other churches in the city. But relative, you yeah. know, it's it's you know they punch above their weight, and, and it has a lot to do with the education side. So when I think kind of about the history of, of Catholicism in Canada, right? I, I think of course like you have these obviously these very hot spots of French culture, 
Ontario, Quebec, right? The Seven Years' War, here comes the British and the Anglicans. For your particular place in Ontario, is it hotspot Catholic or is it like more Protestant with like disseminated Catholics for, for those that still actually practice something? No, yeah, there are there are there are Catholic enclaves like, um, you know, um, oh, there's a there's a quote, some Irish, uh, one of those Irish ballads or whatever. <laughs> and they were talking about um, how. How does it go anyway? But basically, the Irish, what a wonderful, blissfully sad history, you know, I always I would have the gone diff- with there's whiskey in the jar, but that's OK. Clearly, I'm, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's a good one. Um, you know, I always joke uh, the difference between the Irish and the Italians is that um, the Italian food tastes better, but otherwise they're kind of the same people. Um, you know, they're always singing these songs of sadness and things and and uh, <laughs> whatever, but but they're also very happy. It's weird. But yeah. in any case, um, Providence and the British Empire, um, the, the, the ballad, there's a line from it, something like, you know, wherever the king would send the men, the Irish priests would follow, something like that. Because... Hmm. The one thing about the English is that um, they were liberals, you know, like that's what Protestantism is. It's a classic liberalism in a sense. Yeah. So, yes, they're they're totalitarians in some ways, um, but they don't have any metaphysical grounds for the supremacy of any religion beyond the idea of forcing it. So um, the Irish were part of the British Empire. And if they were going to be good stewards of their subjects, um, their subjects were allowed everywhere. So, you know, why do they have... Catholicism in Pakistan. Um, they have Catholicism in Pakistan because it was British, um, mm. and because the British mission, the English, the Irish missionary priests, as part of the British Empire, were allowed to go to Pakistan. Um, so there are lots of parts of Ontario. Ontario did have a, Ontario and Quebec are the original provinces with the Nova Scotia, New Brunswick. Um, mm, gotcha. So there are many French enclaves in Ontario, but besides that, you know, Ontario is 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 like a Midwest kind of climate. So um, you know, there were lots of immigrants and they would bring over people from places where they had the ability to farm the land. So there was lots of Germans, lots of Swiss, lots of Belgians, lots of Dutch, and they were all Catholics that came over. Um, so there are actually parts of Ontario where they're historically very strong in their Catholicism. Obviously, it's not the same as it used to be. Um, but in these areas, there's still a very strong, let's say, social conservatism. And the village we live in is like that. Um, you know, St. Boniface is the parish church. Wow. Um, and there's a lot of these big farming families around where they have a lot of kids and things like that. So there's still a remnant of that. That's beautiful. And you know, you, you just said earlier, so congratulations, six kids under eight way to hate the planet way to kill us all. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, but, uh, do you, are you, um, so I, I grew up on a farm. I grew up on, a, on an alpaca farm out in Elizabeth, Colorado. So I, I've been very big that when I have children and figure that out, that's going to be like such a huge part. And I also think it's kind of it's kind of like the, the very trad thing to do in a way. So are y'all farming? Are y'all y'all waiting to farm? <laughs> no, I'm a recovering. I'm a city. They call us. So I grew up in the city. OK. And and um, but um, I just, you know, I, I don't like liberals. So um <laughs> I wanted to get out of the places where they are and they're not out here. Um, so I just, um, you know, I pretend to be a, a rural man. Um, I think they'll accept me one day. I do have a lot of plaid and I do have a lot of boots and I wear jeans. Um, so I kind of look like I'm supposed to fit in, but I drive a minivan. I don't have a pickup truck. I like country music, but whatever. Um, and uh, I don't farm, but I, all my friends are farmers. So I kind of live vicariously through them. 
Yeah, that's how I find. Like I said, so we growing up on a three acre farm, it meant that I could live vicariously through my friends about 40 acres and yes. cows and stuff. Right. You know, we we were gentlemen farmers. So it wasn't like the alpacas were the mainstay, but we did like sheep. I raised a pig for a year. So now I'm living like smack dab in the middle of Denver. But uh, you can kind of see I went to a rodeo uh, a couple of days ago. And uh, so okay. I kind of rekindled my my yeehaw sort of spirit that I grew up with. <laughs> So what is Pacheco? Is that like a Portuguese yeah. background? Or, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. So, okay, so I'm adopted into a Hispanic family, Portuguese and Spanish. My, um, my, both of my parents and my entirety of the extended family is from northern New Mexico. And what makes northern New Mexico particularly unique is that northern New Mexico maintained a lot of that Spanish blood as they kind of colonized, moved away kind of up north. So, um, you know, Pacheco, my mom's maiden name was Bachicha. My maternal grandmother, Trujillo, I have Bernal's, I have Lopez's. I got I got all this bread. And my uncle traced us back. My particular Pacheco is a very, very common Hispanic name. But mm. um my particular strain is directly traced to Cortez and Montezuma because Cortez married Isabella Montezuma, daughter of the emperor. So um mm. if you were to see a, a picture of my father, uh, I call my dad the last of the conquistadors. Uh, because every once in a while he gets kind of his his Spanish blood up. We were uh, we went to the Museum of of Natural History and we're looking at in the Egyptology exhibit, right? And he's looking at all these amulets and all these little trinkets and he's frowning and he goes, "How many of these are just demonically possessed? We probably should just destroy them." And I was like, "No, that's your." I was like, "That's your Spanish blood, Dad." Like, wait a second, wait a second. <laughs> so my son, my oldest son, Titus. Um, Great name, lives, by the was, way. Thank you. I have Titus and Shiloh and Clover and Samson and Clementine. No, what is it? Yeah, Titus Ooh, and Shiloh. Ooh, losing count already. Titus and Shiloh and uh, Clover and uh, Samson and Clementine and Charles Marcel. There was this There was this bishop named Marcel. Maybe you heard of him. And, mm, I know um, a little bit. And Charles is after um, uh, St. Charles Borromeo. Um, nice. Who, anyway, but... Uh, so uh, yeah, we've got uh, six under eight, and Titus, my oldest, you know, he's very black and white with the way he talks. We have to tell him, Titus, you can't say that in public. Not that it's immoral, but it's like, buddy, you can't say that. I, 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 I mean, and on the one hand, you should say it. On the other hand, it's right. like, okay, tact, you know, boy, tact. So you know, we're driving by this uh, landscaping store. And uh, there's these, you know, garden statues. They're just like pagan deities, like the Hindu things that people put in their gardens nowadays. And he goes, Dad, I think when I'm older, I want to be a Catholic police officer. And then I'm going to smash all those statues. And I was like, well, you might get fired, but that's good sentiment, son. <laughs> there we go. Well, you know what's funny is I, I see this quite, quite uh, it, it, even in my own thought, right? Things have progressed. I, I come from like pretty like i guess it's nominally republican really because we were like good catholics it was just a conservative background yeah. i'm now like reading like charles clome star spangled crown i'm casually just like i hope i'm on an fbi watson i hope they have my <laughs> my my records going yeah it's not saying that i destroy the federal republic system but maybe a constitutional monarchy would make a kind of sense but you kind of live in like the decade of a constitutional monarchy so i don't of sorts so i don't i don't quite know yeah you know it's funny temperamentally I'm, this is going to sound so heretical and interesting. I'm kind of a, a, a libertarian monarchist. I know libertarian yeah. has the worst connotations, but it's funny <laughs> when I started using that word, we don't have a libertarian party in Canada. So we don't have one. I mean, so in Canada, libertarianism is like far right anarchism. And I was like, that sounds kind of based, especially living under, under, uh, especially living under the COVIDian regime. Yo, and totally. I was like, this government sucks. Let's get rid of it. 
<laughs> no. So, so, but I'm a monarchist in my bones, you know, for many sort of patriotic Canadian reasons. So, um, I just want to have, I want Canada to be like 20 different countries. I want, uh, I think, I think we'll get a little, we'll get our little kingdom going here. We'll take a little bit of Michigan. Uh, you know, they got some better hunting across the water and, um, you know, and we'll have these little fiefdoms. I think that's kind of how I want it. And I want there to be very few laws and everyone has property rights, blah, blah, blah. So I'm kind of this, like, you know, I want the government to be about the size of, um, maybe two or three individuals is probably enough. And, um, I want them to have very little power over everything. And I want Christ to be King. That's kind of my, my yeah. pipe dream. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, yeah, that's my political background beliefs, I guess. That's, that's beautiful. Maybe you should run for, for premiere or something when everything I dies could never down. Even, I would never in a million years be able to get on a ballot anywhere. You, if, there, if you're a culture warrior in Canadian politics, it's a death sentence. There's not, it's not even close. So I would be, I'd be fine. I might get a lot of YouTube views and maybe I'd, maybe mm -hmm. I'd get some subscribers or something, but I would, I would be run out of town. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, as we wind down here, this is something that, that's come to mind. But obviously, um, thank you for for sharing so much on on the Canadian front in particular. I realize as I as we're going through this, I'm like, oh wow, this is actually the first time we've had a very serious conversation with someone whose uh, whose whole identity is that they're non-American. Just kidding, by the way. <laughs> totally, just totally just playing. Um, but I think about, of course, uh, I think about the space that you occupy with a lot of traditionalists. I think a lot of people have been able to kind of articulate, and this is why I'm very grateful to you. I think a lot of people have been able to articulate how they feel about matters of the society, matters about tradition or things about Pope Francis, anything. I think that your channel has been very, very helpful for that and very recent, which is which has been great for me. Um, but I think about guys like you. I think about guys like Brian Holdsworth. I think about guys like Jordan Peterson. I think about the fact that a lot of my YouTube feed right now is filled with Canadians. Uh, and so is this for, for everyone else in the world, is Canada kind of in that, or you coming out as you guys have been, I almost feel like it's almost like the the Irish monk analogy. Like, is there a sort of a canary in the coal mine status that you think is unique? Because we, again, and this just might be media portrayal, right? But I think about, I've seen churches burning. We've had a couple of that here, but it seems like y'all got hit worse. I think about the trucker convoy, all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, it feels like a lot of, of what goes on up north are good lessons for us here in, in the States or elsewhere. Yeah, it's, it's that, but it's also sort of like... Um... <clears throat> You know, both of our countries are established on liberal principles as far as the philosophy is understood. Mm -hmm. um, but we were loyalists, um, which has pros and cons. Um, you know, I still love my country very much, but um, it's changed a lot. Um, we never had anything like we never had anything like a culture war in politics in Canada, but gotcha. in a good sense. It was just we have we're very British. Leave each other alone. Mind your business. Mm. Yeah. We have um, customs. We follow those. Don't don't do stupid things. It was pretty much the the Canadian, very Anglo background, uh, the way we did things. Um, whereas in America, you have a culture war, but obviously you have a lot more. Um, it's a powder keg. You know, you've got yeah. some some political um, instability. Let's call it. Um, with Trudeau, he really did kind of change the game in a bad way. He adopted the sort of Democrat Solinsky style playbook. And um, no one really knew what to do with it because our, you know, as flawed as a man like Trump is or whatever, there doesn't exist even a prototype for that in Canada. Um, mm. And that's the only kind of person in a liberal system. You basically just have to be a bigger bully. Um, the yeah, conservatives in Canada have n no understanding that you need to do that. They're just like, no, we'll just, they're all Paul Ryans. 
you know, we'll just balance the budget and we'll get a spreadsheet mm. and it'll be great. It's like, mm. no one cares about your spreadsheet, buddy. Anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, the Canadian, we're Canary in a coal mine. Yes. Um, but also, uh, there's like that expression, you know, pressure makes diamonds. Um, yeah. obviously, you know, if you're going to speak out in Canada, uh, in a way like myself, uh, or anyone for that matter, and you're, you're going to, you're going to face backlash from the left, but you're also going to face a backlash because what you're doing is against decorum. You know, mm. we just don't, we don't do things like that. You know, it's funny. I never heard anyone talk about politics ever at any family gathering in yeah. my extended family. My dad's got a bunch of brothers and never heard any of that. And it was wonderful. I never even knew about it. Um, but, um, I just kind of in this position now where things have gotten so weird that I just decided to say things. And um, so is it, it's, it's hard, but at the same time, because where there's so much pressure on us, um, it, it makes you be very, like, if you're going to, if you're going to get into it, you're going to be all in and you're going to be very precise. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's kind of a canary in the coal mine thing. It's kind of a pressure makes diamonds kind of thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I'm so grateful that you came on. Give me what you're up to. Give me the plugs. Give me the website so I can I can send people to what you're up to. Are you still selling beard oil? Because I need some, you know, beard balm, whatever it was. I need some. Yes, you can go to the um, my web. My, my Just go to my YouTube channel. Links for everything I do are in the link of every show notes. You know, you just click whatever. Kennedy, KennedyHall.ca is my website. Um, CA for Canada, obviously. Um it's funny. I wanted KennedyHall.com, but it was like six thousand bucks. Whereas .ca was like twenty bucks a year, so I picked that one. There you go. And um, but uh, yeah, you can find links. I as I said, I do audiobook narration. I just finished um, uh, Confessions by Saint Augustine for Tan. Anthony Esselin did a translation of it. Um, I've done uh, five or six Taylor Marshall. I think I'm working on the sixth Taylor Marshall book. I did his uh, Sword and Serpent trilogy. I do a bunch of accents and voices and all these kinds of things. It's a fiction. Um, I'm working on the sort of fourth installment, the Nicolaus book he just released about St. Nicholas. Um, and uh, my books, you can find the links for that in, in, on my on my website as well. And uh, I have a Substack, mertradition.substack.com. But again, kennedyhall.ca, it's all there. I put out a lot of posts and articles and um, some stuff for paid subscribers. And, um, and that's kind of, uh, that's, oh, also, last thing I should say this. Um, I'm going on a pilgrimage in November in Italy with Father Albert Calio. He's the last of the Mohicans. He's a traditional Dominican. And um, he's our chaplain. It's led by Catholic Heritage Tours. So basically it's a traditional Catholic pilgrimage through Rome, the Amalfi Coast, and Florence. We're going to go to Assisi, all those kinds of things. So if anyone wants to spend two weeks in uh, Italy, which is the best time to go in November because their summer is yeah. longer and the harvest time, it's not hot, it's, so it's comfortable. Uh, check out that that uh, kennedyhall.ca slash Italy. And I think that's all of my shameless grifting. Okay, so the last thing I should have said, I'm so sorry, everyone, I forgot. Canadian Martyrs Men's Conference. It's run by our Holy Name Society of our chapel, of our priory. And it's the only traditional Catholic men's conference in North America. Yes, there are Catholic men's conferences. This one's traditional meaning, traditional priests, traditional sermons, traditional everything, traditional conferences. And everyone who attends gets a free cigar. Um, it's uh, you go to CanadianMartyrsConference.ca, CanadianMartyrsConference.ca, 
and it's uh, very accessible to the American border, only about an hour in, in Ontario, and uh, it's filling up. So that's something for people to look forward to. Kennedy, hey, thanks so much for joining me. Audience, don't forget, of course, uh, type Kennedy Hall, the Kennedy Report on YouTube. That is always a great way. Such great videos. Don't forget to subscribe. And of course, if you haven't already, go on and subscribe to us here on the Glad Trad Podcast. If you want to support the show, go on over to patreon.com slash Glad Trad Podcast for a whole list of tasty benefits. And we'll see you on the next one. God bless you and may I keep you. Adios. Thank you. Thank you.